Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. For those of you that have met Ellie Shava at the Mikvah and Svad, she needs no introduction. She's kind of like Madonna. Like, it's just like Ellie Shava, you know? Like, I didn't even know your last name for so many years. I'm like, she has a last name? Like, that's crazy. It's just like Ellie Shava. Everyone knows Ellie Shava. But for those of you that are meeting Ellie Shava for the first time, you're in for a treat because Ellie Shava is, I think her title is like, she's the educational director of the Tzvat Mikvah. And she takes thousands and thousands of women, men, and college students. Do you take teenagers also? I mean, you just do so yeah, much yeah, education. Yeah. yeah, we work with high school kids and all, all ages. Sure, it's amazing. I mean, give me amazing. a number. How many people have you walked through your mikvah tour? It looks like over the past 10 years, we've had over 40,000 participants. Wow. That wow. is insane. It's been totally blessed and beyond, beyond our dreams. Yeah, incredible. And Elisheba, I I just know, and I know this personally, that, you know, when people come through your spot mikvah experience, they leave changed. They really, Mm -hmm. they really do. I mean, I I had been observing the practice, the mitzvah of mikvah observance my whole married life. I mean, I'm already married for 19 years, but when I met you, how many years ago? How many years ago? When did you start with Momentum? Was it seven years? Yeah, like seven Seven years years ago, yeah. Okay, so- Yeah, eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I met you in the beginning when you first started and it blew me away. I mean, it blew the women away. I remember when I met Elisheva the first time, I'll just tell you a funny joke. I hope I don't embarrass you, Elisheva. Oh, come on. You <laughs> you wouldn't. Okay. okay. It's, it's so cute. It's so cute. I was with this very American woman. Let's just call her like very typical American, like has never been to spot before was like, where are we? What is going on? These ladies are floating. Like their bodies are literally just holding down their souls. They're just so holy with all of them with their scarves and they're like layered and they're just like so flowy so she's watching ellie sheva do her thing and she pulls me aside and she whispers in my ear she's like e, do you think she does botox i'm like i don't even know if she knows what botox is but what what she was saying ellie sheva was that she's so happy like does she really have eight children or i don't know you have nine now can i know her right She's like, is she like, she's, she's like ageless. The reason I'm embarrassing you like this is that there's something we all feel when we're in your space. It is the place. It is spot and the mysticism of the city. It is being in a mikvah, a holy place where such transformation happens for so many. But there's also this happiness, this joy, this outburst that makes you just look timeless or just so beautiful so young it's beyond physical beauty 
It's coming from deep, deep within. So anyways, I'm going to stop here. Elisheva has really changed my life. I'm sure you've changed so many thousands, tens of thousands of lives. But personally, coming into the mikvah and kind of giving myself a reboost to my observance of mikvah and relationships and intimacy has really enhanced my, my life, my marriage, and also my teachings because I am a Kala teacher. I am a mikvah attendant here in Portland. This is such a beautiful part of the work that I do. And you have had a bit, very big part in, in giving me like a bit of a boost. So thank you, thank you. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you yes. for organizing this. Thank you for your vision. And thank you for you, like my soul sister. Mwah. Thank you. Okay, so that's enough of an introduction. Let's talk about time. There's time that could be counted without meaning. And then there's time that could be used to grow. And that's mm -hmm. actually the time period that we're in right now with Svirat Omer. So from second day of Passover, we start counting until Shavuot, which is literally around the corner. And we're right. counting up these 49 days, seven full weeks. It mm -hmm. says in Parshat Emor, Sefartem lachem sheva shabatot mimot, that you should count for yourselves seven full complete weeks. And that's what we're counting. And it's not just counting like, oh, here we are again. It's not like that. We're counting up towards something very powerful. So we're going to mm -hmm. talk about that. We're going to talk about this power of seven tonight. And I can't wait to really, really dig deep with you. I want to hear a little bit from you. You wanted to take us through this journey, where we're coming from. We came out of Mitzrayim. We were going Good. through the Midbar, coming up towards Mount Sinai. Thank you, Eve. It's so fascinating what you're saying. I love what you're saying because these days are, on one hand, we feel that we have no sense of control and we're in this, it's such a unsettling place to be, an unprecedented place to be. In. On the other hand, we know that Jewish time is not linear. Jewish time is cyclical. So what does that mean? It means that we're going to be experiencing the Matan Torah, which is the receiving of the Torah, the giving of the Torah. It's not commemorating something that happened over 3,332 years ago. It's actually happening now. So in Jewish time is the cyclical sense of what happened thousands of years ago. Again, as opposed to linear, which means there was the past and the future and they're so far away from each other. In Judaism, thousands of years, so we're so far back. No, in Judaism, it goes around in a circle. So I'm coming spiraling upwards each time meeting me where I am right now, here and now, which is different where I was last year, where it was five years ago, where it was 30 years ago, and where we were, you know, hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago. We're spiraling around and we're tapping into that energy right here and now, which means according to Kabbalah, according to more like we say, like to go a little bit deeper, to like beneath the surface. If we look a little bit deeper, we understand that we left Egypt. Now, Egypt isn't just something, again, that happened thousands of years ago. Egypt, according to Kabbalah, according to Jewish mysticism, as a lot of us I'm sure are familiar with, is actually the constricted state of consciousness that we all have. Meaning any parts of myself that is defined in an external way, that is defined by others, as opposed to my inner core soul essence. That's a state of Egypt in me. For example, my need for approval from others, 
my jealousy, my anger, my sadness, all of those midot, all of those character traits that are just, they're not me. They're not the essential core spiritual essence of who I am. That's called Mitzrayim. So during these days, okay, we left Mitzrayim, we had the Seder 48 days ago, but now we're counting these 48 days. That means every single day, now listen very closely, I left a part of Egypt that's in me. Meaning we left Egypt 48 days ago, but has the Egypt, Mitzrayim, left me? Is there an outer shell? Am I living like my outer shell, the klipa, according to Kabbalah, which we say, those of us who are counting Sphira, we say, like the outer part of me? Am I living the outer, the external part of me that always looking for validation from others? Or am I living my core essence self? You know what I'm saying? So that's like that we are, we have left Egypt, but has the Egypt left us? And we only have like another day to work on unpeeling, unmasking all of those layers, those outer layers to really access the real me in order to receive the Torah. I mean, it's so crazy. If you think about it at the Passover Seder, we say everyone is obligated to see themselves as if they're leaving Egypt. But that's really only the beginning. That's seeing, right? It's kind of like knowing what you need to do and then you need to actually do it. So this process is taking us somewhere. And I feel like it always comes down to relationships, right? It's all a relationship, right? And I, I feel like in Judaism, you know, you could say Judaism is a religion, but really, really ultimately, Judaism is just a relationship between us and our creator. So how is this connected to a relationship. The holiday of Shavuot is known to be kind of like this renewing of vows, so to speak. And I don't know if you've ever done that, Elishava. Have you ever, you've had crazy experiences in your life. Have you ever been with someone or you yourself, have you ever seen or experienced someone renewing their vows? Like after 25 years of marriage or have you ever seen it? Have you? I feel like you have. I have. I have. It was awesome. It's funny. I'm not going to say who, because she might be watching actually. I mean, she'd (laughs) chuckle if if she heard this. I'll actually text her right afterwards to tell her that I was speaking about it. But I was thinking about the renewing of vows. I was thinking when I was living in Denver, there was this incredible family and it was a wedding yeah. anniversary. It must've been like a 50th wedding anniversary for the parents, right? Wow. For like the senior wow. mother, father, and all yeah. of their married kids, all their kids were married. They have three kids, two girls, one boy. They all came together out of the city and they asked my husband and I to come and to renew their vows. Oh my god! It was, I had never heard of such a thing. I was kind of like, what is right. this going to be like? It was so meaningful. It was emotional. Wow. They all chose wow. in again, like after so much water under the wow. bridge, you know, wow. to look at your wow. partner and say like, I would choose you again. So that's I kind of that. what, this is what Shavuos really is, it's right? It's like this that. renewing of this. And I'll just read you, this is kind of like the book that comes with me everywhere, the book of our heritage, right? By Eliyahu Kitov. So he actually speaks about, you know, this month, the month of Sivan as being the month for unity and and love and peace and harmony and all those good things. But then he says uh, that this is a prerequisite to really receiving the Torah. The Torah is referred to as a heritage, Morasha, which is written in the book of Zavarim. Our sages expanded on that and they say, do not read the word as Morasha, heritage, but Morasa, betrothed. 
this is really the month of our engagement. And then when we receive the Torah, it's like the chuppah. I mean, we are really renewing our vows as a people right now between us and God. So I want to get into that. some of the good stuff, Elisheva. I love that. I love that. And I, I have to say that, you know, the word, like the, the Hebrew language is so rich and the actual word for a vow in Hebrew is Shavuah, is a Shavuah, right. which is an oath. Shavuot means literally the vow, the oath right. that we're all renewing right here and now. Again, it happened thousands so, of years ago. It's happening right now. Just to know that there's surface level and then there's deeper. So the surface exactly. level, I mean, my whole life I thought Shavuot means weeks because we're right. counting seven weeks. It's right. Exactly. But but here exactly. we go. There's a there's a double meaning here. There's something deeper. There's a promise. Exactly. There's an oath that's happening. So thank you for taking us deeper there. Okay, exactly. so this oath. So I want to talk about intimacy because really, really like if you think of like the wedding ceremony and you think about the chuppah and then the cheder hayichud, the, the room of seclusion where the bride and groom go for the first time as a, as a married couple, right? There's so much intimacy there. And in yeah. our holidays, there's also, there should be this connection between us and God that is very, very powerful. So you know, I love your, your quote about intimacy. You say intimacy is in to me, see, like see me, right? Which is right. really like going deeper, right? To really right. know somebody. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more right now about, about this intimate relationship of Shavuot, of husband and wife, of our relationships. I love, I love, love what you said. It's so true, that feeling of betrothal, of engagement, to be engaged, which is to have like an excitement and anticipation of building up to that final, beautiful enmeshing and kind of merging with the other. So, so a few, few ideas that you talked about that I love what you said. I'm going to just expand on it a little bit. Meaning I, what I love about these holidays and specifically Shavuot is that we say um, in the liturgy, in the prayer, we say this actually every day. I just said this before I got on and say, Asher, Asher thank you, God. You have chosen us from all the other nations and you have given us the Torah. Meaning the idea of being chosen, um, the idea of from all the other nations in the entire universe, God, it's such an intimate moment where God like says, I could be with all these people. I can have this intimate connection, which is really like a revelation of my inner will, which is what the Torah is about. We'll talk about it in a second. And I'm choosing you to be chosen exclusively and to have this unique connection with God is amazing. It's such a beautiful idea. That's exactly what it's about. Meaning like when you chose to marry your husband or those of us out there who are married or have been in a, an exclusive relationship, in a deep relationship, you're like, I could have been with this and this and this and this and this with all these other people, right? That's kind of why we walk around. Those of us who, who have this custom to walk around, right? I know Eve, you, you shared with me that you walked around. It's an Ashkenazi custom, but sometimes also Sephardim do is walking around your husband because you're saying, and the, under the chuppah, under the wedding canopy, because you're saying, you know, all the, I'm making a wall around the outer wall 
And now you have chosen me and I'm choosing you. It's a mutual reciprocal choosing of each other. And what I love about this idea, when I studied in college, we learned what's called a chiastic structure or like a mirroring structure when like A, B, C, D, E, you know, we have the 10 top, the 10 commandments. So we have the, you know, the first five, which is between man and God. And the second, the, on the second side between man and fellow man, Adam and between man and God, those two sets of five. So the first of the, of the 10 commandments is I am your God. And the last of the 10 commandments is don't be jealous or don't covet somebody else's wife. So according to chiastic structure or like the mirroring, A and A, meaning it's A, B, C, D, E, and then E, D, C, B, A. So A and A are connected. Is that how does not coveting someone else's wife, how does that connect mirror I am the Lord your God? So it's actually the same idea, meaning the idea of like monotheism, that we only have one God. We don't choose the other gods, not the God of money, not the God of fame and fortune, all the other gods that we have, right? And the dollar bill and God we trust. No, we don't, we don't trust. So I am the Lord, your God. I chose you. You chose me. We have a mutual, reciprocal, one-on-one relationship. There's no one else. There's nothing else. And I mean, there's nothing else. It's just you and me. And also in a relationship, also, so you choose your husband. As I said, your husband chooses you. There's nothing else. Don't be jealous. Don't look at other women, right? Don't look at other men. Not yours. Mm. Intimacy is this intimate relationship. There's nothing else in the world but you. There's no one else in the world that I want to be more close to. There's no one else that I want to know. To deeply, to, to be intimate, to deeply know the other in the deepest sense to know and to be known, as it says in Genesis, Eve and Adam knew each other. To know each other is to to become one. The borders of who I am and who you are just kind of melt away. So I love that idea that in a sense, like our renewal vows in the marriage sense, right, is also about connecting. It's like interconnected, our connection with God and our connection in our marriages. It's all one. It's all around the same idea. Thank you. So I just want to go back to the power of seven. And there are many numbers in Judaism that are very significant, but seven happens to be one that there's a lot of sevens and feel free to shout any out, but you already mentioned one. You mentioned the circling under the chuppah where the bride will circle the groom seven times. We also spoke about the seven weeks that we're in right now, the Svirat HaOmer, these seven weeks to count. We know, I mean, the most powerful example of seven is probably the seven days of creation, right? The seventh day of the week is Shabbat, which is the crown of creation. We have the concept of the sabbatical year, the Shemitah, right? Every seven years, you need to leave the land to be fallow. There's there's so much. And also the just the number seven in itself, it really, it's a physical number. It represents the physical, really, because everything above it represents something above and beyond what we could understand. So exactly. those are just some of... The, the sevens, the significant sevens in Judaism. But now I right. want you to take it a, a little deeper, which you're so right. good at doing. What are the significant spiritual meanings in the number seven? It's interesting. I never thought of it until this moment, but as a Sephardic woman, when I immerse in the mikvah, my custom mm-hmm. is to immerse seven times. I know that Ashkenazim do three, but I never thought about it. And I'm also thinking, I'm pretty sure that there are seven steps that lead down into the mikvah waters. I I never thought about it really so, so intensely, but what are the reasons for this? 
And what is the mystical understandings of this number seven? It's going to tie back into what we started talking about intimacy. We're going to see that it's all going to really tie in. There's a few ideas. We'll make some say they're here. So like you said, the seven is the number for natural order. So when, when you think about it, we have the seven, we have also the seven skies. We have the seven music notes in a, in a chord. There's also seven colors in a rainbow. Seven is huge. And we say in Hebrew, kol hashvi'in chavivin. All the sevens are endeared, are, are special, are loved. There's something about seven that's also an invitation for something deeper. We're going we're gonna to talk about what that is. What's interesting about seven is like, what is the first time that we see seven in Genesis? We see it in the context of Shabbat, of the week, the Jewish week. Now, this is fascinating. Every other concept of time, we have a day, we have an hour, we have a, we have a minute, we have a day. We have a month, we have a year. All the, the concepts of time, most of our concepts of time, especially the bigger ones, are created by either the sun or the moon or some kind of like um, astronomical phenomenon. But here when we have a week, how do we get to the week? And that seems to be a universally accepted concept that we have seven days in a week. I think Napoleon tried to like make a nine day week or a 10 day week. And it just didn't work. There's something like built into our DNA, but the cycle of seven days is a part of how we can experience this world. So what is it? What is it about these seven days? Like, what is it? So if we look back, we see that it was God, that it's a divinely ordained system that like subtly by, by experiencing this concept of seven, we're touching on the fact that God himself right? The presence of God is in the seven, because God said that there's a seven-day week. Even though people might not believe in God or might not believe in the um, revelation of God or not believe in the Torah, it seems to be universally accepted. And it seems to be like one of the only um, kind of spiritually concepts, nobody thought of it that way, that the idea of a week, even just like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that we go in cycles of weeks, that we start again, we end and we start again in cycles of seven that obviously also connect to Shabbat, the full process, seven con connects us to a full process. So that is divine, meaning we're suddenly very like, um, very gently acknowledging that there is a divine presence in this world when we acknowledge seven. And that's Shabbat. You know, it's so, so true. I kind of feel like it's it's the pause. It's the experience, the permission to stop. And that permission, right. that pause is actually what rejuvenates us. There's, there's power in it that we don't, I don't even think we understand how important it is for us exactly. to kind of get off the treadmill, <laughs> so to speak, exactly. just stop running and start being. Love that, love that. Because that's exactly the second point that I was going to say. And that's exactly what we're talking about. The power of seven connects us to that pause, connects us to what we know is Shemitah, which is the resting of the land. It connects us to the Jubilee, which is the cycle of seven also, which is the resting of our possessions. It connects us to Shabbat. So the resting in time, the resting in space, the holiness in time, holiness in space, to pause and ponder. And if we say the three Ps, pause, ponder, and pray to kind of stop and get off, like you said, the treadmill, exactly, and all that. And that's what seven does in time and space and in person, it's holiness. And according to Kabbalah, it talks about the idea of returning to the source, 
We let the land pause because we want it to rejuvenate and return to its source of, of life. We want as people, we pause and stop so that we can return to our source, to our creator. And also here, we're counting those cycles of seven, unpeeling all those layers, seven times seven, which is like the most powerful expression of, of what seven is because it's time by itself. Hmm. Uh, and here we're, we're returning to ourselves. We're returning to who we are, unpeeling and unmasking. And now mm. the last idea is this amazing Kabbalistic concept. It's brought down in, in the Kabbalah. And I know it from his book, Living in Divine Space by Rabbi Yitzchak Ginsburg. He brings us this amazing idea. And you kind of touched upon it, is that we have six, in the physical world, we live in six, we, we have six directions. We have like, let's say we take a cube, up, down, side, back, front, back, and, and the two sides, right? We have six six dimensions in a cube, or we take like the four the four directions: north, south, east, west, and up and down. That's how we live in the physical world. But guess what? Seven goes inside. This is what the Kabbalah teaches us. It's the inner dimension that brings it all together. It's the inner point in the cube that brings all the six points around it together. Seven is the inner dimension. So that's an amazing concept. It's our ability to go inside, kind of go beyond the surface, beyond those barriers and going inside to who we are. So that's kind of what intimacy is all about, is our ability, the seven times seven is that we're developing a sensitivity and we're unpeeling and becoming vulnerable and just going deeper into our sense of seven, which is inside. Seven, according to Kabbalah, is the deepest, deepest expression of who we are. So that it makes sense that Shabbat is seven, Shemitah is seven, and the Sheva Brachot as a bride, the blessing that we say in seven. King David is also all about seven. He was the seventh son. He lived 70 years. He died on Shabbat, which is the seventh day on Shavuot. His day of passing, which why we say to in the Psalms, seven is mm. all about connecting to that beneath the surface and going inside. It's not ignoring the surface. Like King David took all of his, all of his pain and his struggles with his children and with like, you know, he had a lot of hard stuff in his life. It's not ignoring the surface, but it's going to the deeper, accessing that deeper point of me, which is that divine core essence of God in me. Isn't that amazing? So, amazing. There's another seven that, that is very significant here, talking about brides and grooms and marriages and all of that. I mean, there's a custom out there to, to wait, to separate chatan and kala, bride and groom, before their wedding, to not see each other for a week before the wedding. Not everyone does this. I did right. it. It was right. extremely hard. I, I, we even had my, my henna party was the night before my wedding. Oh my Khatan didn't come. I mean, his whole family was there. And I was like, I don't yeah. even know all these people. Like it was so new to me, <laughs> but so we had that separation. But the separation for those seven days brought about a lot of anticipation and excitement mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. counting up towards something. And, mm -hmm. and, and then there was the reunion at the wedding. Mm -hmm. And even okay. in married life, I mean, we have this cycle monthly. We have this every time we go to the mikvah, there's the separation, there's the counting, the anticipation, this whole beautiful process, um, which, which has a lot of introspection, right? Mm -hmm. And then the coming mm -hmm. back together. And, and it's like this flow is very, mm -hmm. very powerful. 
for ourselves, for, for our relationship. Exactly. Beautiful. You know, like in Kabbalah also, it's actually mentioned this concept that you talked about. And again, these are parallel ideas that I experience on the personal level and we experience it on the cosmic national level. These are parallel experiences, right? So as a bride, we count those seven days and those of us here, maybe you remember those days. And according to Kabbalah, it's actually a three-pronged process, a three-level process called submission, separation, and reunion and sweetening. These are Kabbalistic ideas, not going to go so into it, but just the idea of like, these are tools for all spiritual intimacy and building relationship, which is like a part, submission is like a place of us where we've kind of messed up, where we failed or connected to our darker sides, which happens to all of us, the submission into that place, into that place of Tum'ah, which we experience in Egypt on the cosmic level, or we experience as women, this kind of like loss of life or kind of like connecting to that loss of life force. But that's that spiritual concept that we experience also cosmically, feeling detached from God. It gives us like this sense of humility. And then moving into that separation stage that you talked about, and that brings us anticipation on one hand, moving towards something. But every day that we're counting, we're also making the day count. We're also doing the spiritual growth. The fact that I've separated from you and from my husband or cosmically from God that we have a separation time, it gives us a chance to now see the other. Like, where do I start and you begin? You know, where does the, my boundaries of self because a lot of times in marriage, we become so enmeshed and so like mushed into each other. The possibility of just like kind of losing your sense of self. Little exactly. me time is little... okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like no time alone that you don't have time to think. You don't well, have time to like kind of establish your sense of self as an individual. This is the story of creation with Adam, how he was originally exactly. created as a, a hishi and astronomist <laughs> being. Exactly. And he right. asked God, separate me, give me a, a, an Azer Konegdo, a helpmate to oppose who, me, right? That? Like that, that right. he wanted to have a relationship and, and he was too enmeshed in that, right. that exactly. one being, right? Exactly. The sense of an other, of the other that's separate from me, in a sense, is like a paradox, but only through that separateness can I actually create that unity that we all desperately desperately want that like mm. that like close intimacy we so desperately want it but but we see when we have so much intimacy oh we like go crazy <laughs> that sense of a, like of being so together so there's this constant cycle of separation and of reuniting but Kabbalah talks about submission before this idea of of kind of having humility understanding that I, I'm not perfect, understanding that I have my faults. And it's key in all intimate relationships, all with our children, is that idea of like understanding you're a part of me, but you're also separate from me. And I can't control you. And even though I want to, but I cannot control you. Control and intimacy don't go together, right? It just, it just cannot be in the same place. Also judging an intimacy. We can't judge it. We can't, when we're so together with each other, we just lose our sense of what's going on. So we have a separation where we gives us a sense of individuality, a sense of also working on who I am. We have all the seven character traits, the seven like rungs of the ladder that we've been climbing seven weeks and every day has those seven character traits within those seven weeks so that I can be a vessel to hold what 
it is that you want to give me. Meaning every intimate relationship is about giving and receiving. And the ultimate intimate relationship is when there's a balance between the giver and the receiver. When I want to give and you want to receive, my inner will is connected with your inner will. That's the most ultimate, beautiful form of intimacy. What happens, unfortunately, is that sometimes it's like, I want to give, but you don't want to receive. Usually we see that with our kids. I'm like, take this food, take this. Food. And they're like, what? Leave me alone, right? Or with our soulmates in our marriages, right? We want to give and the other person doesn't receive. Or we don't want to give and the other person wants to receive all the time, right? That's that imbalance. Or the other person wants to give and we don't want to receive. Or we want to receive and the other person won't want, doesn't want to give. It's like those cycles of intimacy are always, we're always interplaying with that. And in Kabbalah, it talks about this idea of like full intimacy is when my inner will is connecting with yours. So that's what Matan Torah, receiving of the Torah is about. That God as a chatan, as a groom is, according to Kabbalah, the idea of giving, which is like an up-down kind of like, the mashpia is being able to bring down this flow of light and goodness and inner will, which is the Torah, which is the life direction. And us as the bride, kala from Lashon, the bride, Mirashon Lahachil, a kli, which is a vessel. A bride comes from the word vessel. I've got to empty my vessel from my ego, from my stuff, from my schmutz, mm-hmm. all these layers, right? We talk about this a lot, is unraveling those layers so that I can now receive what it is that you want to give. And that's the most beautiful, exquisite gift you can give to someone is to really receive fully what it is they want to give you. They want to tell you a secret, you want to lean in, you want to be there in a most intimate way, whether it's with our children or with our spouses or with all of humankind to really receive, permission to receive. So that's what in this intimate connection, God is saying like, okay, you've gotten the Egypt out of you. You've now worked on it for 49 days. And then we take you to the 50th. This is so beautiful. But I do want you to talk about Shavuos being the deep yes. dive, that 50th. So what's interesting about the 50th, so Shavuot is called in Kabbalah, the 50th gate. So if we talked about seven, as like the natural order and world. And then the seventh is going inside, deep inside in that intimate connection of an inner will. So what happens in Shavuot, and this is fascinating, is like we do what we can do. And humanly possible is to count 49 days. But if you look in the Torah, it says, you shall count 50 days. But we don't count 50 days. We only count 49. Guess what happens? The 50th gate is not humanly possible. The 50th gate is divine. It's transcendental. It's only something that God could do. So we do what we can do. And we unstrip and unpeel and unmask and prepare our vessel. And we're open to receive. But the actual Shavuot, what happens at night, that 50th gate is beyond is like the number eight that takes us into the beyond, is that mikvah, that deep dive. When we go down, we say, okay, God, I prepared myself. I counted the seven days as a bride on a cosmic level, as the people of Israel and the individual and the collective. I did what I could do. I worked on myself, whatever I did. I really unpeeled and tried to do this work. But now when I go into that mikvah, after counting those seven days, going into the eighth day, going into the 50th gate, it's only about God. It's this divine presence. I'm enveloped in this divine presence and only God can take me there. 
And I go into those waters and I just kind of like melt every part of me and just receive that divine blessing. And that's an incredible like transcending moment, that 50th gate. And that's what Shavuot is like. And here in Spot, I live right on top of the Aries Mikvah. So it's like the Mikvah night, primarily for men, is that under my house at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, all morning of Shavuot in about 24, 48, less than 48 hours here, the Mikvah under my house, the Aries Mikvah is going to be like totally bombarded with all these people. I see people coming from all walks of life with long hair, with tattoos, with whatever, with a towel over their shoulder. And they're just coming down to touch on that 50th gate, which is basically, God, I am here. Full intimacy. Hineni, take me away. Like surrendering into the moment. Because I've done what I can do, which is like melting into the other. It's actually one of the only mitzvot Immersing in the mikvah is one of the only things that we do with our entire body. A full immersion is exactly what it is. Exactly. You're, you're exactly. all in when you go, right? When those men exactly. get their towels and on their momentum trips and they're like, right. they're all so like marching right. down. Exactly. Exactly. And as women, it's our like natural, almost like it's our gift, but it's almost like an it's like a responsibility because all of intimacy also comes with a responsibility. Like, can we keep this connection as tight and as close as possible? All of me with all of mm. you. That's what we want. We want, don't want to hold back anything. Full intimacy. Hashem. Whatever you say, Hashem. I'm there. It doesn't make sense. I don't like this idea. I'm not so whatever. What, I'm here. Mm. I'm showing up. Also with this relationship with, in my marriage, you know, I'm not holding back. Full intimacy is fully showing up not controlling, not judging, not any other klipa, the other parts of me. I am just here to be one with you. Also with our children, right? Just making sure that we don't have anything that blocks us. And I love that idea about intimacy with God because it makes it so real. You know, I am here and I am this whole body immersion of like whatever it is that you want. So empowering. Also, it's just so important to understand this concept. I found it very empowering for myself. Like what worked before quarantine, what worked yesterday mm. doesn't work today. What worked in my marriage last week or worked like 10 years ago or 25 years ago, not the same as what's going to work right now. It's tapping into the power of now and renewing it. Like you said, renewing the vows right now. I need to look at my husband and see like what is going on right now. Look at my children right now. I'm not going back to normal. I'm going to right now, that power of intimacy to tap into what's happening at this moment and not mm. holding on to the past. And then I'm right. like, but I'm not where I was 20 years ago. I was like much thinner then. I was much more beautiful. <laughs> I had less gray hair. I'm like, why are you like this? Because it used to be like that, right? It's like all about now. Which is what we said when we were in the moments at Mount Sinai, you know, the exactly. Jewish people collectively were like, like we will do it and we'll hear yeah. about it we'll we'll learn what it means what we're committing ourselves to but we were so in that moment exactly and, exactly yeah. we're gonna have to close this was fabulous was so awesome. first of all just thank you thank you thank you and um but i just want to yeah. talk practically speaking okay because yeah. we have all these beautiful customs and how can we bring those customs like what are the customs i mean we everyone knows shavuot to be like 
the holiday that we eat yummy cheesecake, <laughs> right? Yes. We like there's good food and it's a fun holiday and we stay up late learning and and there's yes. all these beautiful customs. It's it's an easier holiday than Passover and Sukkot. It's like we just need to be right. present, as you said, right? right? Well, what can we do to bring a little bit of that mystical, the mysticism, the power of seven? down into the practicality of our holiday. So Elishava, in our conversation, in talking about this, this class that we were going to do together, you taught me something new. You taught me about the power of taking the name of Shavuot, right, which has four different names, actually. Shavuot is just one of them. One of them is Chag Ha'asif, which is the, the reaping holiday. It's the time that we right. reap the wheat. And you said there's a custom to make a challah, okay, it's, which is also challah, making challah for holidays for Shabbat is always very customary, but to right. shape it in a ladder with seven rungs talking about the seven weeks, how we climbed through this time. And it's so beautiful to, to learn new customs and to bring that spiritual meaning into the physical. What could be more physical than bread? Exactly. <laughs> but we're going to eat it and we're going to think about the meaning, the significance of the power of seven. Another thing that you touched upon was David HaMelech. And there's a custom that we read Tehillim, Psalms on Shavuot. And it's his Yuritzite, it's the day of his passing. It's also the day of his birth, they, they think, right? So it's a, it's a significant day and we're celebrating his life. Instead of just reading words, we're really, I mean, he's such a big power, the power of seven. You said seven was his life, was his number. Seven was his life. He even married Bat Sheva. That's right. right. His soulmate was Bat Sheva. Sheva is seven. Right. Exactly. He was the seventh. That it's like everything about him is seven. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Another Gorgeous. custom that is so much fun that we're actually working on, my daughter is creating something so beautiful, like a centerpiece for our table, is decorating your home with flowers. And, you know, there, there are actually a few reasons why we do this. One of them is because Mount Sinai had flowers and we're... But, but more than that, connecting it to what we spoke about, have you ever been to a wedding without flowers? It's as if we're right. I mean, I like, I remember stressing what colors that. should we have, right? It's like we're, we're actually creating our home will be the, the wedding hall, right? Exactly. For this Gorgeous. reunion, for this chuppah. I just, yeah. So it's, a, it brings like a lot of enthusiasm into our physical decorating. How are we going to set our table? What bread are we going to have on our table? How can we beautify this experience physically? Gorgeous. But there's something and so strong and spiritual. In Israel, a lot of us wear white. Awesome. Ah, as a wow. bride, right? Oh, so we're I didn't wearing know that. white clothes, a white head covering, a white. And I even was shopping yesterday. I saw a lot of the, the plates, the cutlery was all white. And there's something about this white purity kind of bridal wedding energy that's out there. So it's something it. to have in mind when you're planning your table. And Love it. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting so many new customs for you from you. This is amazing. So one of the main customs of Shavuot is that we stay up learning Torah. We learn Jewish concepts, conversation. We, we really delve into the beautiful wisdom of our heritage on Shavuot. Some people stay up the whole night. And if you think about it, just comparing it a little bit to a bride and groom. I remember personally when after we got married in Israel and after our wedding, we went to the Western Wall. We have pictures by the wall. Oh. Chatan and Kala in our white dress and then you know and it was it was 2 30 in the morning it was so precious because who's there at the western wall at 2 30 in the morning 
the most precious mm -hmm. souls that were asking us for blessings, you know, one that needed this and one that needed that, the most broken of hearts, which are the most beautiful of hearts, and, and being wow. there and giving blessings to late at night till three in the morning, time was like, you know, it wasn't even an issue. It was like, we had all energy. To, to stay wow. up all night, right? And then you go, you right. know, then there's, then there's all the togetherness. Who's going to sleep, <laughs> right? <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> and that's right. what we're doing on Shavuot when we're sitting and opening our, our Jewish wisdom and delving in. We're learning something new. We're so excited. And that's what we're doing on the night of our wedding. There's so much to learn about this person that I'm in a relationship with. It's the same with our creator. So it's taking all the physical, beautiful customs and just connecting it because there are so many deep levels here. And we could take this physical experience of Shavuot, but we could really, really make it transformative. As, as you said in the beginning, it's like this spiral that's going upwards and we're connecting and going higher and higher. And when we come out, we're like, who are we? Where did we just come from? When we come out of this quarantine time, we're going to be so elevated because we've had our Pesach, we've had our Sfirat Omer, we've had our Shavuot. We're, we're not where we were when we exactly. went into this quarantine. So, so time exactly. is time, but time is time and time mm -hmm. is amazing. And I just want to close with a huge shout out to Mikvah USA, which is an organization that Elisheva and I are both connected to and it's dear to our hearts. It's a great organization that gives inspiration, guest speakers, support for any, any mikvah related issues, problems, strengthening that a community would, would need. They will send speakers all over Canada and the USA and really, really very much for the sake of heaven. People that really believe in the power of some of the concepts that we spoke about tonight, the holiness, the purity in it. So I just wanna give a huge thank you to make and this USA. is alive, even though like it's a whole other topic. We're not getting getting into it. But Mick, contrary to what a lot of people feel, no, and or no, mikvahs are alive and well, and that people Amazing. are going to the mikvah under the high standards of the of, of the CDC and very like very high um, health requirements. Is it's all like very very carefully monitored. But there are, you know, I personally have been going. Um, I assume you also have, and it's a place where you know there's there are ways to make it happen in a very like you know um safe way just to put a shout out if, if people are you know in that space and if, if anyone is like, worried you could reach out to us and we could guide you through it because we're doing it at a very high standard and there's nothing to worry about because exactly. yeah we have professionals right. and doctors and rabbis and we have a whole team right. of people that are working so hard to to enable women to continue doing this mitzvah Okay. I love that. We're going to have to say goodbye, but Elisheva, if anyone, if anyone wants to find Elisheva, where's a good place to find you? That's a really good question. <laughs> Wherever the wind blows you, right? You just kind of. <laughs> if I knew that answer, the answer to that question, I would be in a good place. Where do I find it? Um, <laughs> you can find me at Elisheva at womenofthewaters.org. Um, uh, email, we have a website, womenofthewaters.org. Um, you can find me. Elisheva, I really suggest to, to so many women that they should sign up for your beautiful newsletter that comes out every Rosh Chodesh. It's really, it's mm -hmm. tremendous. So I think I'm going to end this, Elisheva. Blessings I think from it's, Spot. Yes. Thank you. To be continued. You. Chag Sameach. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Eve, for organizing this. Oh, Thank you, Ali, for honor. joining us. Thank you, Eve's husband, the man behind the woman. <laughs> Thank you so much. Chag Sameach from Tzfat. Blessings to all of you. Come visit us soon. Looking forward to Amen. giving you that real hug. Looking forward to all of you coming back.
to the Holy Amen. Land, coming back to Tzfat, and be able to hug you. Like, Amen. finally being able to connect. Please, God. May it be so Thank soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspire Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.